The scripture reading this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. That's Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. And it reads, Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Good morning. A couple of things before I start my lesson. Um, as we think about worshiping from home, there are going to be some unique challenges to that. I imagine at this point, you probably have realized that making a joyful noise to the Lord is a lot different when you're at home with just a few people than it is in a building with 400 or so people. The important thing is that as we come before God and as we worship Him, that we do so in spirit and in truth, that we do so sincerely. And so, let's not spend our time worrying so much about how we sound, but let's make sure that we're bringing offerings and gifts and sacrifices to God. That's a hard thing to do. And as you think about being at home, I know for a fact that a bunch of you are probably still in your pajamas. You didn't get up this morning and comb your hair and put on a dress or a suit and, and come and assemble like you do on an ordinary Sunday morning. Just being in the comfort of your own home can be a distraction. I know in my home there's probably a dog and a cat walking around in my living room right now and there, there are a lot of things that can distract us from focus on our God. When we think about what worship is, you can worship anywhere. We can worship in a building like this. We can worship together in our homes. We can worship in a lot of places. But the attitude that we come to worship with is important. And what that means is that when we come before God, we're bringing sacrifices and gifts and offerings to Him. And so just as we concentrate on the death of Jesus during the Lord's Supper, or just as we think about the gifts that God has given us and we, we contribute to the, uh, the, the work of the church, the needs of, of, of God's kingdom uh, during the contribution, or just as we sing together or pray together, all these things demand our discipline and concentration. And there are going to be a few extra challenges over the next, hopefully, just a couple of weeks as we are not able to worship and assemble together. But think about those things and think about maybe is there some way that as in my home, in my family, that we can maybe mitigate some of the distractions that might already be present. The second thing to think about is this. I've already this week been really impressed and really encouraged by how I hear people talking about reaching out to one another. I think we need to continue that as a congregation. It's good to call each other and to check on each other and to see how we're doing. We might even give some thought to frequent visitors who haven't placed membership and their names are not in the directory or not in light post. Maybe even new members whose names might not yet have been added or their numbers. Don't let those kind of people be forgotten in a time like this. There are some needs that have already cropped up among our members. Um, pay attention to those. It's only been a week, a week and a half or so but there are some needs that people have and are starting to have, and I'm really not trying to be funny. I've already heard of a couple of families that are running short on toilet paper supply, and they can't find it in the stores. Um, 
we need to be attuned to this and especially as this week goes on I know the refrigerator at my house is starting to get emptier than it was. I know everybody went and stocked up on groceries and now we've been confined to our homes for a week or so. And there are a lot of things that are starting to become a challenge. If you're in need, listen to me. This is not the time to be proud. This is not the time to say, oh, somebody needs it more than I do. This is a time to let your brethren in Christ know. Give your brethren an opportunity to serve. There are some folks that really want to help and really want to serve. As a church family, we want to bless each other. And so give others and let others know the opportunity that we have to, to, to share with one another in times like this. It may be toilet paper or something like that this week, but next week it might be canned goods or something that's more, more necessary uh, in a different way. And so be attentive to those kinds of things as a church family. I know that you will because I know that you love each other and you love the Lord very much. For the lesson this morning, we're going to talk about what I believe is God's greatest promise. It's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. The promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There are a lot of promises that God's made to his people. A lot of assurances and blessings that he's offered. A lot of things that he has promised will happen. But I believe this is God's greatest promise. And I'll give you three reasons why. I believe this is God's greatest promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. First of all, because it is a promise with a history. This is a promise that God has given to faithful men and women throughout the centuries. As we'll see in just a moment. It's a promise with a history. God has consistently, when he wants to encourage believers, said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Second reason why I believe this is God's greatest promise is because it encompasses what God did through Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible tells us that, we would, that, that a, a virgin would conceive and that she would give birth to a son, and by prophecy... Matthew 1.23 says, you shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So what Jesus was coming to do is he is God coming to be with us. And so when, I, when the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, when God makes that promise, not only is it a promise with a history that God has made to faithful men and women throughout the centuries, but it's a promise that encompasses the mission and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus came to this world to be with us, God with us. And then a third reason why I believe I will never leave you nor forsake you is God's greatest promise is because the greatest gift that God could ever give is himself. There is no one and there is nothing better than our God. No created thing no gift or blessing that God has ever bestowed on man is greater than for God to be able to say, my presence will be with you. I care about you. I choose you. I love you. I will dwell in you. Those things that God has promised to us, those encompass the greatest that God could ever give. The Bible says in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice even when circumstances are not what we would have them to be, even when times are challenging and trying, we can rejoice in the Lord. That is to say, we can rejoice in the presence of the Lord in our lives. 
the fact that he loves us, that he's with us, that he cares for us. The greatest thing God could ever give you is himself. In Psalm 37 verse 4, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We ought to put our first priority, our first and most, uh, most blessed delight in the presence of God in our lives. The fact that he is with us is his greatest promise. So if you're keeping notes, the fact that God has made this promise historically, the fact that this promise encompasses what Jesus would do, and the fact that this promise gives us the very greatest gift that we could ever receive. For those reasons, I believe Hebrews 13 verses five and six is God's greatest promise to mankind, to his people, to his, his disciples. What I'd like for us to do with our lesson this morning is this. First of all, I want us to talk for just a moment about the content of that promise. What does it mean? And what can we learn from the history of when God gave this promise? I will never leave you nor forsake you to others. Secondly, this morning, we're gonna talk about the limitations of that promise. What limits are placed on, I will never leave you nor forsake you? And then third, I want us to spend some time talking about the blessing of this promise. What can we know and what can we learn and what can we do when God says, I am with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, for the first point this morning, let's talk about the content of the promise that God made. As you read through the passages of the Old Testament, you'll find that God says in a number of ways, things like this, I am with you, present tense, and I will be with you, future tense. And both of those are important. Open your Bibles with me if you would. Let's look at a couple of passages together. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. Notice in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12, Moses is being challenged by God to go and to speak to Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. And Moses has a message, a demand, a righteous demand from a holy God. Let my people go, says the Lord God of Israel. And Moses, as you realize, is fearful about this. Moses is not sure whether he's got what it takes to be that spokesman. And God says this in verse 12 of Exodus 3, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. In other words, God's making a promise about Moses' future. He's saying, when you and the people come out to this mountain, Mount Sinai, and you are here assembled with hundreds of thousands of people, you're going to know that I'm with you. But even before that, God did the miracle with Moses and proved to him by sticking the hand inside his coat and coming out leprous and then sticking the hand back in and it, it's clean. God's proving to Moses his presence. God is saying to Moses, you can do this, not because you're up to the task, Moses. You can do this because I am with you and I promise to be with you. Every single time God challenged one of his people to do something difficult, to do something challenging, God promised to be with them. Turn over in your Bibles in the Old Testament to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. This, by the way, is not an exhaustive list of every time that God promised to be with his people. Even with the Israelites, you remember that God was present with them, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. 
God was present. His presence was what comforted them and soothed them and assured them in the wilderness. In Joshua chapter 1, Moses has died. And God comes to Joshua and speaks to him in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. God promises Joshua, listen to this, Joshua 1, 1 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was, past tense, with Moses. Nobody disputed that, by the way. Nobody said, oh, God's not with Moses. He's abandoned him. Nope. God was with Moses. So I will be with you, Joshua. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Those words are supposed to make a difference in Joshua's heart. They're supposed to make a difference in his attitude. Joshua's the one that's got to conquer the land. He's the one that's got to answer the questions of leadership. How are we going to succeed? How are we going to stand up against the military authorities and powers around us? I will not leave you nor forsake you, God says. Look at verse 9 of Joshua 1. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage, Joshua. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My point is, when God commanded Moses to go to Pharaoh, he said, I'll be with you. When God commanded Joshua to take the people and conquer the land, he said, I will with you. I will be with you. I will not abandon you. God motivates and encourages his people through this promise. It's his greatest promise. Turn to Judges chapter 6. You remember Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, Gideon is a man who is from the least of the tribes of Israel, he says, and he says that his clan is the weakest in the tribe, and he says that he is not fit for the task of commanding God's people and destroying the enemies of God's people. In Judges chapter 6, verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon starts to object. And then when you look at Judges chapter 6 and verse 16, God says to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I will be with you. I am with you. God promised Gideon and God made good on his promise. He always does. He does not forsake his people. He does not abandon them. We talked about Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. The virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Jesus Christ is the physical manifestation of God's presence among his people. That's what Jesus came to do in his earthly ministry. And at the end of his earthly ministry, open your Bibles to Matthew 28 and look at verse 20. Matthew 28 verse 20. At the end of his earthly ministry, when Jesus had risen from the dead, he gave his apostles a great commission. He said in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, that we are to go and to make disciples of all the nations. And then he says in verse 20, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And he doesn't stop there. Sometimes we stop there, but Jesus didn't. In Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus made this promise to us. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus promised his people that he is going to be with them no matter what. 
especially as we go about the task of making disciples of all nations, of teaching all nations. Jesus himself, the manifestation of God with us, has promised once again, it's a promise with a history, the same thing that God promised to Moses and Joshua and Gideon and countless others through history, I will be with you always. Now turn to Hebrews 13 and look at verses five and six. Hebrews chapter 13, verses five and six. Our scripture was read from this passage this morning. There were some Christians, as you read the book of Hebrews, who were thinking about abandoning their faith. And the Hebrews writer is writing to encourage them. And as he concludes this book in chapter 13, he tells his brethren, life is not so much about how much you've got stockpiled. It's not about how big your bank account is. Look at Hebrews 13 verse five. Getting through the problems and challenges that face you, it's not so much about how much money you have and how much you have provision for right now. Look at verse five of Hebrews 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness, he says to Christians. Be content with such things as you have. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't make provision for our families and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't think about the future. But what he's saying is, stop worrying so much about having enough. Stop worrying so much and obsessing so much about what you've got provision for. And here's the basis for him making that commandment to Christians. Look at verse five. For he himself, talking about the Lord, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear, what can man do to me? These were Christians facing persecution. They were wondering if they had what it took. They were wondering if they had enough to get through the trying and challenging times. Some of them lost their jobs because they were Christians, because they were following the Lord. And the promise that was made to them is the same promise that God made to Moses and Joshua and Gideon, the same promise Jesus made to his apostles. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise with a history. It's a promise that is glorious. It's God's greatest promise. Let's talk for a moment about the limitations of that promise. When God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he is not offering some things to us. And this is frustrating for Christians. Experience and life have taught us that this is frustrating. But what this promise, the promise of God's presence, the promise that God will not abandon us, does not offer, first of all, is this. Detailed plans for the future. Everybody is online, tuned into the news, wanting to know when is this going to end? When are we going to be able to go back to quote unquote normal life? Everybody wants detailed plans. Does the government have a plan? Do the local authorities have a plan? Do the healthcare officials have a plan? When are we going to be able to get back to normal? When are we going to be able to return to normal life? The promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you does not answer that question and it never will. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul wrote, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know what it means to walk by faith? It means that I believe the words of Hebrews 13, verse 5. I believe they're true, and I believe that God's with me and will never forsake me, even though I can't see 
what the future holds. The promise, secondly, does not offer a roadmap for our journeys. A roadmap for our journeys. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, the Bible speaks about Abraham. You remember him? God promised he wasn't going to leave or forsake Abraham too. But the Bible says, by faith, Hebrews 11 verse 8, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And it says he went out not knowing where he was going. Remember? What did Abraham know? He knew God had promised to be with him. He knew that God had promised to bless his family and his descendants. He knew that God had said he would bless those who blessed him and curse those who cursed him. But Abraham didn't know where the land was. He didn't know how long the journey would take. He didn't know when he would arrive. The promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you does not give us a roadmap for our journeys. Third, this promise does not offer an advanced strategy for every occasion. The Bible does not tell us when it's time to stockpile canned goods. The Bible does not tell us how to make preparations for a pandemic. The Bible does not instruct us on strategies for how to protect and provide for our families in difficult circumstances. It doesn't give us an advanced strategy for every occasion. It does tell us to be wise. It does tell us to be cautious. But it also says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust that even when you don't have a strategy in advance for every possible conceivable circumstance or situation that might be looming out in the future. Fourth, this promise does not offer the timing of challenges and obstacles. It just doesn't. There have been a few occasions in history where God has given in advance notice of a challenge or an obstacle that was coming. You remember Joseph back in the book of Genesis? Joseph had a dream that there were going to be seven years, Pharaoh had a dream and Joseph interpreted it, that there were going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And so Joseph knew in advance what to do. Daniel, similar circumstances with Nebuchadnezzar, the king, and with Darius, the king of Persia. And not only them, but you look in the book of Acts and there were prophets who spoke about a coming famine in Jerusalem and the need to provide for that famine. There have been some circumstances in history when God has given advance notice of a challenge or an obstacle that was coming. But in most cases, in most people's experience, even in the Bible, they didn't have advance notice. They didn't know when persecution was going to arise or when a famine was going to hit. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, the Bible warns us that our devil, our adversary, is like a roaring lion, constantly looking for whom he may devour. We never quite know when challenges or obstacles are going to face us or even what those challenges and obstacles look like. The promise that that God will never leave us nor forsake us, it doesn't give us this information. What it does give us is assurance of God's presence and his concern and his promise to provide through every circumstance of life. Number three. Let's think about the blessings of this promise. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord. What are the blessings? In the first place, remember, God has promised that he is with us right now, present tense. Not only that, God has said, I will, future tense, never leave you nor forsake you. So my present is governed by God. My future <laughs> is governed by God. His presence has been promised in both of those parts of my life. What those promises do is they give us the ability to face an uncertain future. We have a song in our songbook, If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Another song, Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. If God is with me, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because of his presence. Psalm 23, verses 3 and 4. The promise of God's presence gives us the ability to face an uncertain future. And not only that, it gives us the power to deal with unpleasant circumstances. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were arrested and put in prison after having been beaten. And at midnight in Acts 16, the Bible teaches that Paul and Silas, rather than lamenting their fate and their unpleasant circumstances, were doing what? They were singing praises and hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Because of God's presence in our lives, there are going to be some unpleasant circumstances that face all of us. God's presence gives us the power to deal with those unpleasant circumstances. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The blessings of this promise give us the strength to deal with unpredictable situations. The strength to deal with unpredictable situations. Nobody can predict what's going to happen next. Nobody can predict what's going to be like, what the world's going to be like a week from now or a month from now. Everybody's trying. Where do we find strength to deal with unpredictable situations? We find it in the presence and the abiding promises of God to never leave us nor forsake us. If God's with me, I can faithfully serve him no matter what. If God promises to be with me, I can look at an uncertain and maybe an unpleasant future and I can know that he gives me the power and the strength to continue to faithfully serve him and to please him. There are times in our lives when we need to focus especially on the greatest promise of God because he has promised everyone who is faithful to him, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How we need to listen to his words, especially especially in trying and challenging times. Maybe you're listening to this broadcast and you're thinking, I'm not sure my life is right with God. I'm not sure that that promise applies to me because God made that promise very specifically to Christians. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And maybe you want to obey the gospel. You need to hear the good news about Jesus and what he's done for you. You need to believe in him as the only answer to sin, the only way that sin can be cleansed. You need to confess his name and repent of your sin. And then you need to be baptized in water, immersed for the remission of your sins. 
both I and Jordan Moore, our associate minister here at Katy, would love to talk more with you about that question. If you want to know, what can I do to obey the gospel? What do I need to do to have the assurance that I'm in a right relationship with God? Both of our emails are on the screen that you're looking at. And both of us, if you'd like to call us or call the church building, we'd love to sit down and visit with you more. All of us need to think about each other. All of us need to be concerned for one another and for those around us who are our neighbors. But all of us need to remember most of all the greatest promise that God has ever made. I am with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. We're going to sing a song at this time. Let's reflect on what we need and what God has promised to provide. Will you sing with us?